Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Happy Thanksgiving. Everything in between. Me and Sergio have been out for a while. We've both been a little under the weather for different reasons. He got the run, um, but he did get to see his Gators play against Alexa's UCF Knights, and that was a fun experience, I'm sure. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit later, but we're going to talk about the important things. No offense to f- the Florida schools, but the college football playoff is happening. Literally, literally well, none taken. Absolutely, <laughs> zeroly no offense taken. <laughs> With that being said, full offense meant then. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk yeah. college football playoff. We got transfers happening. Everything happened, Sergio. It's been a crazy, crazy couple weeks. And let's just dive right in. Um, there was two college football playoff games, starting with Cincinnati and Bama, which I feel like we're going to go off on tangent on this one. So I'm going to uno reverse my own segue. And we're going to start with Michigan, Georgia, because I have a lot to say about Alabama, Cincinnati. And I just I just know we're going to go off on that one. So tell me your thoughts on Michigan, Georgia. What do you think of Michigan? Is this Harbaugh's last run at Michigan? We've seen some rumors lately. And was Alabama or was Georgia losing to Alabama a fluke? What, what are your thoughts? I know you're about to have to compliment Georgia, so sorry in advance. Yeah, not only did I have COVID, but I might just vomit from having to actually say something nice <laughs> about Georgia. Um it, by the way, before I begin, in all in all seriousness, I did get COVID. Don't highly recommend not getting COVID. It was the worst week of my life. Uh, get vaccinated, get your boosters. I got COVID two days, be- three days before my scheduled booster shot. So that sucked. Nice. Um, but just PSA, go get vaccinated, get your boosters, wash your hands, wear your mask, do all the things. Georgia, Michigan. Um, so this is exactly how I kind of internally thought this was going to happen but i didn't want to happen because i'm a florida fan and i the last thing i want to do i want to see is georgia winning football games um this defense is insanely good um i don't think the loss to alabama was a fluke per se i think it was how do i put this um i think that game was just alabama showing how to beat georgia that doesn't mean that every team can beat Georgia. I don't I don't even know if Alabama can beat Georgia twice in a season in, in the span of a month or so, a month and a half. Um, but that is how to beat Georgia, right? You got to throw the football on them. We'll talk about that in a bit when we talk about the Natty. Um, but in terms of this game, I mean, aside from the like scheduled scripted game plan, because if you don't know, every offense comes out and they have a script, right? The first drive for most offenses is scripted out beforehand. 
It's there's a set amount of plays they're going to run. They know what they're going to do. Everything after that is really coaching in-game decisions, basically how we play NCAA or Madden, where we pick plays on the fly kind of thing. Um, so if you notice, after the first drive, Michigan really couldn't do anything on a Georgia defense that has eight, maybe nine NFL players on that defense. Um, it, it's stacked for a reason. Um, the offensive lineman for Michigan came out pregame with a t-shirt that said, run the dang ball. Um, and they did not run the dang ball because you can't run on that Georgia front seven. It's damn well, near tried, impossible. They, tried, they have to they make sure to that the they're, ball. they they ran it 27 times, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. They attempted, but they didn't have any success. And so with a team as one dimensional as Michigan, which is what we talked about all season. I mean, they lost their big play threat first game of the season to um, an Achilles injury. I mean, without any deep threat, without any threat of play action or anything like it was pretty much over from the beginning. Um, credit to Stetson Bennett, vomit. Um, but he played really well. Like we have made jokes both on the air and off the air about how Stetson Bennett, we don't think is a good quarterback. Um, I was listening to Split Zone Duo, great podcast, highly recommend. Um, and they were saying that if Stetson Bennett was like a G5 scheme quarterback, we would be in love with him. And that's so true. He does just enough to be successful in the right situations, which is a good G5 scheme quarterback. Um, the difference is that he plays at Georgia and he plays at a program with high national championship expectations. And his backup is a player that is so obviously better and more talented in JT Daniels that it's kind of shocking that he's playing barring injury and stuff, which we know that JT has an uh, injury um, history of injuries. So for me, the game kind of went how I thought it would. I'm not going to lie. I watched the first half of this game afterwards. It was like, I don't need to see anything else. I don't need to, you know, like they were up what 30 to three at halftime. Like it, it was, it was over. It was over from the first, from the first kick. Like, let's be real. Let's be honest. Georgia just has more talent. Um, they, the, the, the type of football that Michigan played was not conducive to um, the type of football that Georgia plays. And it was kind of obvious that we were going to see, Georgia in the national championship game, especially with what we saw um, take place down here in South Florida. On exactly. New Year's Eve. Um, I have a few takeaways from this game. First of all, just an interesting stat about Stetson Bennett. This was just the second time this season he's thrown for over 300 yards uh, with the other time being against Alabama in the loss, which was impressive, but he threw for two picks that game. Um, he threw for three touchdowns, zero interceptions, which he's done that a few times this season where he's had multiple touchdowns and interceptions. That was an interesting takeaway. I thought this game would be closer just because I figured both quarterbacks and offenses were very run heavy. And I, in a way, consider them both limited, but Stetson Bennett proved me wrong. And then what really stood out to me was how Georgia manhandled Michigan on both sides of the offensive line. Um, even the receivers. I don't know if you've seen the video of George Pickens shushing the Michigan sideline, proceeding to put their defensive back in the ground and then shushing him. That was interesting to me. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, who's probably going to yeah. be a top five pick, maybe even top, the top pick in the NFL draft, had a silent night. Shout out Christmas. Silent night, holy night, Aiden Hutchinson, because he did nothing. He literally did nothing. He was... It wasn't it was, even they're just fault, big like, guys. and Georgia's just on another, the, on another It wasn't planet. like they were doubling him a lot, though. Like, there was a lot of times where they had running backs chip him as they would, like, run the route or just, like, go at him. But there was times where it would just be one-on-one, -on -one, and he was just simply just not strong enough to get past the Georgia yeah. tackles. And so yeah. that that was crazy to the, me. 
the issue the issue with teams and specifically Alabama and Georgia the issue with those types of teams is that when they play when people when they play other teams they have to focus on one maybe two facets of the game to shut down so for example with Michigan um Georgia's offense said, all right, if we contain Aiden Hutchinson, we're good. Like, let the, we're good. We can run our offense um, with which we'll get to in a second with Bama. Um, it was if we take care of if we don't have to deal with the Bearcats secondary, we're good, which is what happened with the other teams. There is no there is no one aspect of the game that you can shut down to beat Georgia and Bama. They are on such and we can probably throw Ohio State in that category, too, in terms of teams that recruit at that high level, maybe Clemson, but we've seen their offensive deficiencies this season that maybe knocks them down from that tier. Um, these teams are recruiting in a different stratosphere. Like it, there, there is college football and there's semi-professional football and Georgia, Alabama and Ohio state are in the semi-professional football category. So there isn't just one thing you can stop uh, them from doing that'll allow you to get in the game. That's why these semifinal games were so lopsided because it was very clear that these two teams um, from the SEC, Bama and Georgia, are just stratospheres ahead of everyone else, with probably the exception of Ohio State, in terms of accumulating talent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're just on another level, like you said. Um, another thing that they did well, they made life for Cade McNamara hell. Um, Jordan, pa- Jordan Palmer oh, yeah. came on our podcast and talked about how Cade McNamara has done everything he needed to do all season, which is true. Um, they haven't asked him to throw a lot, but when he was asked to throw a lot, he did well. Um, the only issue he struggled with this time was his offensive line couldn't block anybody. And so I don't think, I think people are, I mean, he did have a couple interceptions. Yeah. He was, uh, 11 of 19 for 106 yards, averaging five and a half yards per pass and two picks. Now, some of that is on him, but a lot of that is on the fact that George's defense was just, nobody was open. He couldn't throw at anybody. His offense line wasn't blocking. So even if you wanted to like let plays develop, leave a, a little more, wasn't there. And so I think a lot of people are going to be like, Kate McNamara is the problem. I don't think he's better than J.J. McCarthy. I think J.J. McCarthy, his backup, who we saw come in and find a little bit of success towards the end of the game and lead Michigan to a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll have an interesting quarterback battle on their hands. But I think we just need to give credit to Georgia's defense and how dominant they are in all facets. And like they just made life and they've done it all season. It's like, it's not like it's a surprise. They make life for the quarterback hard. Like everything that you do as a quarterback, you go through steps. So like you go through your, your reads and like, if those aren't open, then you kind of maybe move out of the pocket and like allow the play to develop more Then you run for Caden McNamara. It was like one, two, the ball's out or you're getting sacked or you're making a bad pass. Like if there was no like, wait, wait, so, so, so you mean to tell me that in Hard Rock Stadium, where the Miami Dolphins play, there was a quarterback that couldn't do what he probably is able to do on a regular basis because there was an un, there was an offensive line that couldn't block? I'm shocked. I've quite literally never seen that situation at Hard Rock Stadium in in Miami, uh, home of the Miami Dolphins. Literally never seen that before in my life. That's crazy I'm, I'm glad, that that I'm is glad something that said- happened. In Hard Rock Stadium, where the Miami I'm Dolphins glad, play football, I'm glad you Crazy. somehow manufactured this into your Tua stance because I thought you were about to like debate with me that Michigan's offensive line did good, and I was like, "Oh wow, this will be interesting. no, no." But where, where I do also want to see it, staying in the state of Florida and and, and disappointing NFL teams, um, it's 
in Jacksonville. You see what happens when you have a talent, arguably one of the best talents, pure talents in football today in Trevor Lawrence, and he's not able to do anything simply because he doesn't have the tools around him. There are 10 videos online that you can find on Twitter right now of receivers, of the ball going perfectly exactly where it Mm. needs to go and receivers dropping it or the ball bouncing off receivers' hands and going into a defender for an interception. Like, it's stuff like that. And and when you're dealing with a defense like the Georgia front seven, which is an NFL front seven um, across the board, like, let's be real, it's four four NFL players on the line, three NFL linebackers. Um, that's what's going to happen, you know, when, when you're dealing with semi-professional football versus college football. Exactly. That's kind of what Michigan we're at right all year, they just wanted to run the ball. And, like, Hassan Haskins, their running back, he's a stud, but – he ran the ball. He ran yeah, the ball really nine good. times for thirty nine yards because one, he only got you guys say give him the ball more, run the ball, whatever. They were not in a position to run the ball because they were down so quickly. No. <laughs> like it literally happened yeah, so fast. No. And like another takeaway, it was a two score game yeah, within five minutes. Another takeaway I had from like, this game has nothing to do with football. Dalvin Cook's brother looked exactly like him. I thought that was no. Dalvin. No, I, oh I was God, like, yeah, oh, he does. Is that Dalvin Cook? <laughs> but yeah, back backtracking. Like yeah, Georgia was just the more physical team. And then John Harbaugh, um, or no, Jim, excuse me, wrong Harbaugh, um, mm-hmm. has been rumored that he might be heading to the NFL. I think that's a ploy to get more money from Michigan because they kind of like, they kind of threw I him agree. on the hot seat and were waiting for him to fail this year. And then this, of course, is the one year he succeeds. I don't think, I don't think a lot of NFL teams are going to be jumping at the bit to bring a college coach back into the NFL after what we've seen from Urban Meyer and Matt Rule and like. Well, I think I think it's different with guys like Rule, guys like Urban Meyer versus Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He did. Like, we we loved Harbaugh. He he knows what he's doing. He he. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know more than most, Borba. But but I think it's different there. I mean, you, you look at what happened last season with with Harbaugh. He took a four million dollar pay cut, whether that was voluntarily or qu- air quotes voluntarily. We don't know. Um, but then you also he earned two million dollars in incentives this season. Um, he was generous enough to donate that back to the University of Michigan faculty and staff who had to take pay cuts as well due to covid. So that was great of him. But in total, he's out six million dollars. Now, I know he's a millionaire. I know he really doesn't. He could not get paid for the rest of his life and his grandchildren's grandchildren will be fine. But still, that's six million dollars. And when you know your worth, then you should be able to you should be able to get that money. So I agree with you. I don't think he leaves. Um, I think the Vegas stuff is real um, in terms of interest from Vegas, um, interest from the Raiders. Don't think it's a good fit in terms of Harbaugh going back to the NFL. Um, and I also think, yeah, he's a Michigan guy and and. We talk a lot about, um, oh, the prodigal son returning home and and how that's kind of overrated. It is overrated as a whole, but Michigan might be the exception to the rule. Michigan people really do like to um, keep it within house and, and all that stuff. I don't think they would let him leave. I think they would kind of give him whatever he wants, especially after beating Ohio State, especially after winning the Big East or Big Ten, sorry, and especially after making a playoff. Like, I don't think this Georgia game should be held over him in that sense. Like, it, it just yeah, is what no, it is, I think- you know? I think it'd be a risk, not to make this about, like, this is a college football podcast, but I'll dive into the NFL real quick. All of the teams he's been linked to, like, there, it's just not, like, a situation where I'd be like, yeah, I want to leave my job at my alma mater, I'm getting paid millions, I just beat my biggest rival, we just made the playoff. Like, going to Las Vegas to coach Derek Carr, that's not appealing to me. Going to the Bears to deal with 
whatever Matt Nagy's going to leave over. I'm assuming Matt Nagy gets fired. Hashtag or er, hashtag air quotes assuming um, like Nagy's on the way out. The Jacksonville job, like NFL people, coordinators have turned it down. Like Dan, uh, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys have turned down an interview. Like it's just not an attractive scene right now on the NFL landscape. So like, no, I don't not. foresee that happening, but I do think it's interesting. Um, we, Hey, listen, he's he's a better man than me if he turns down that Raiders job. You want me to be a millionaire in Vegas? I feel like that job's going to be like... <laughs> let, me, let me know when my flight is, that bro. I'm there. that going to be annoyingly hard <laughs> just because not not like... Okay, like Damon Arnett. I'm going to stay away from the Henry Rugg situation, but Damon Arnett, like young people in Vegas yeah. is always a, a scary combination. I just don't know if I would have... Well, I'm going at the end of the month, Borba, so yeah. I will let you, you know, let my know. friend, just how yeah. bad it could be. You let me know how scary it could be as a young person in Vegas <laughs> and how someone whose job depends on other people behaving in Vegas would go. I yeah. would just – not something I'd be interested in. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a bachelor party, so, like, the intention is to just have fun, but, like, I could not imagine living in, in the city of Las Vegas. And the, I'll the let you know after this trip, to not so we'll see. It's the issue. Like, these people are getting paid millions to behave <laughs> and play football. So that that's where the line kind of kind of strays exactly. away. Um, there was another playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think – which game do you think was better? I think this game was the better game, in my opinion. Um, I think the Cincinnati-Bama game was the yeah. better football game because the, the irony with Cincinnati-Bama was, yes, technically it was a blowout. But in a weird way, <laughs> I think the game yeah, was, was like, good. It was like it was, it was like, like entertaining. Blowout, if that makes sense, like the score, it the was a close... doesn't indicate how close it was at times. And like I'm going to talk about, the, I, I have mm-hmm. a really big tangent about Cincinnati right now for multiple reasons. Um, for okay. one, I personally felt like they were going to lose going into the game, especially when I saw them during warmups, which is really weird. But I'm a big body language person, okay. and so when they walked up to the coin toss. Uh, Desmond Ritter was like bouncing around. He looked jittery. And like, I feel like that kind of emulated itself throughout the game and Alabama, as we saw when they, when, when they won, they literally were all straight faced, like ready for the moment. And like, they did not care that they won the bowl game because, or the, the playoff game, because they, they know that's a business trip. Like at the moment it seemed big for Cincinnati, yeah. but I've seen a lot of takes, horrible takes saying that Cincinnati should have not been there. Literally every every first round of the playoff has been decided by like 20 points. Like this is not the first time that it, th- this is not the first time that a team has gone there and got blown out in the playoff. Like the only teams in the big 10 to score a touchdown up until that last petty Michigan touchdown was Ohio state because Michigan state got blown out. Like it is hard to go and beat Alabama. Alabama is built for the playoff. And like the people saying that Cincinnati should not have been there, like Cincinnati played well all season. They beat, they did everything they needed to do. They beat Notre Dame. They beat Indiana. Like they beat everybody in their on their schedule. They deserve to be there. It's just I don't think people realize how dominant Alabama is. And I do want to say though, I was really disappointed in Desmond Ritter. Um, I think his performance was a little bit shocking. Like I knew Alabama had a great defense and like how tough they are. Like I'm just saying how t- great they are. But, like, you're kind of hoping that the future first-round NFL pick would be able to, like, manufacture some things. But, like, he had, like, four or five passes batted down at the line. I'm like, dude, you're 6'4". Like, like Kyler Murray never had that many passes batted down. He's 5'8". Or, like, 5'10", whatever. Well, in... I, I see you, and I agree with you. I was I was disappointed in in um, in Ritter's performance as well. But I think in terms of the, the SWAT down, there were, like, five SWATs at the line of scrimmage. 
Um, none bigger than in the first drive. Mm. It was a third down. There was a slant coming off um, in the red zone was a, that, that was, was wide open. That, that if he touchdown. hits him, if he hits him, they're up seven. To, they're up seven to three first drive, and and that's a completely different mentality. You know, maybe Cincinnati, maybe those jitters get out and they can be able to get better and stuff like that. But I mean, this was a one possession game up until yeah. halftime, I believe, and it was within reach up until the fourth quarter. Like th- this was a game in that sense. I think that the issue with the swatting at the line isn't necessarily height. It's well, yeah, on the pass. And that's where I was disappointed. And that's where I was disappointed in Ritter because I've seen him make incredible throws for the past two, three seasons at Cincinnati. Like I know he could do that. So it was kind of, it, it was part, wow, I'm surprised Ritter's doing that. And it was part, man, this Bama defensive line is, is, yeah. is a freak. I think another aspect of the game that I was like, oh, okay, these teams are in a different stratosphere is the fact that Bama, more, but what was the, what was the last game that we saw before this Bama play was the right. SC championship game. What did they do against Georgia they just to ran beat them? the ball down their throats? Out, they, mean, no, they threw me. the ball. They, I was all talking over. about Cincinnati. They they threw they no, threw no, no, the no, ball Georgia. all over Georgia's defense that was supposedly yeah. locked. Bright, Bryce, Bryce Young yeah. won a Heisman that day, right? Bryce Young won a Heisman that yeah. day. He looked incredible. Bryce Young had a bad football game against Cincinnati. And what did what did Bama do? They did not throw the football with all the success that everyone thought we were going to do. We were salivating at the oh my god, Jamison William going up against that Cincinnati secondary, Bryce Young throwing into that single digit jersey wearing secondary. Uh, we we got NFL we got NFL DBs going up against NFL receivers and quarterbacks. Could be great. And what did Bama do? They said we are so much bigger, stronger, and tougher than you that we are going to ram the football down your throat. And they couldn't stop it. Since they, he could not stop the, the football, very, the, the strength first drive of, was literally ten runs and then a little like screen pass to Slade Bolden. Like, yeah, like literally they it. ran the ball. Which speaking of running the ball, Cincinnati like totally strayed away from running the ball. It was pretty much working for them. It was baffling. They like it was st- baffling. That's how they got. That's how they got to the red zone in that in that opening drive with the with the batted slant on right. on third down, like. They ran the football. They were getting four or five yards a carry, Literally. run the ball. And that's what Bama did. They were getting six, seven yards a carry. And so they ran the football, you know, like it, it was just a matter of um, my buddy Tyler on sideline judgment, which I also have a podcast with. You can find it on Apple music and Apple podcast, Spotify. That's judgment with an E. Um, he says all the time. One of his like rules, one of our rules is do not bet against Nick Saban when he has more than a week to prepare Oof. for a football game. And this was a prime example. He watched the tape. He said, these guys are not strong enough to contain us. I know running the ball has not been our strength point this season, but we're going to run the ball down their throat. And they did. And it was just an example of Nick Saban being the greatest college football coach of all time. And to the last point, Borba, before we can move on, I agree with you. Cincinnati more than belonged in this football game. I mean, I've seen the issue isn't that Cincinnati wasn't one of the four best teams in the country. The issue is that Cincinnati played Alabama, and and like you said, there have only there have only been three games in the playoff era, first round games in the playoff era or semifinal rounds, I should say, um, that have been decided by single digits. One of them was that Matt was the double overtime Rose Bowl game um, classic that we had with Georgia and Oklahoma. So, like the majority of these games are blowouts. Like these, this is how it goes. Michigan State lost 35 to 38, sorry, lost 38 to nothing to Alabama. No one said anything about Michigan State not belonging. Washington didn't get the ball past midfield, Borba. 
Washington didn't get the ball past midfield against Alabama. Nobody said they didn't belong. Everybody said, oh, Jake Browning, he's the best. He's awesome. Miles Gaskin, awesome player. That's what everybody said. But when Cincinnati decides to keep it within a two-score game going into the fourth quarter and in the first drive of the game, they drive down Bama's throat and and are a tip ball away from being in the lead seven to three, no one says anything. Everyone all all of a sudden Cincinnati doesn't belong. Give me the fourth team. Who is the fourth best team? Who would replace Cincinnati in this game and would not get walloped by two scores? Literally, I I, want to see it. I want to see a team that's not Georgia and Michigan because they're already in the playoff that would replace Cincinnati and not get walloped by Alabama. I I I cannot find one. Literally, the only team that would compete is Ohio State, but their defense is nowhere near like the level. And like, so Alabama probably would have mm-hmm. dropped 60 on them or 50 on them. Like it, but it, it but it go it goes back to the thing that I was saying earlier, right? Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State are in a category of their own in terms of talent mm-hmm. uh, allocation, right? Like, and, and you know what? If you wanted Ohio State in there, you know what they should have done? They should have just beat Michigan. I hate this whole idea of like, it's got to be the four best and this and that, whatever. All right, well, if people who don't want to expand the playoff, if their argument is it dilutes the regular season, then why would you put a team that lost a rivalry game in the regular season in the playoff? Doesn't that then dilute well, my your regular part season? Was that they won a Notre Dame, who Cincinnati beat head to head. Cincinnati Notre, beat them at home Notre by Dame two scores. So that flip Notre Dame and Alabama, um, excuse me, uh, Cincinnati. Notre Dame lost their bowl game to Oklahoma State, and you're you're expected me to believe that Notre Dame is going to go into this game against Alabama. Without Brian Kelly, mind you, no, like no offense to Marcus Freeman, like they did solid, but they blew a twenty-one point lead or twenty-point mm-hmm. lead against Oklahoma State. You're telling me that Alabama wouldn't forty-ball mm-hmm. them and like they'd score like twelve points? Like, give me a break. Easily. The playoffs gonna Easily. expand. The playoffs Easily. gonna expand because one, I think we have Bama fatigue in a way. It is literally Bama, and I don't. It's Clemson too. Clemson has been in every year except this past year or this season. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Bama fatigue. I think uh, we want to see other teams win a playoff game and like advance. Like mm-hmm. the four best teams are still going to win. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally one through four seed every season. Like maybe a, like a, a six or a five. Seed I wouldn't season, be surprised either. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll, we'll preview this again, but we got the college mm-hmm. football playoff champion or the college championship coming up. I don't know who I want to, or I don't really care who wins. I don't know who I have winning. I, def- I I yeah, care sure very strongly about who wins this national championship. I'm sure you game. do. I, <laughs> and it's not, it's not I, Georgia. It's not wow, Georgia. Wow, <laughs> color me shocked. I am I am just blown away. And here's here's my here's my thing. Either it's it's not even that I want Alabama to win. I just I want Georgia to lose. I have Alabama fatigue just as much as everyone else. I really do. Like I can appreciate Nick Saban as the greatest college football coach of all time. And when he's gone, I'm going to tell my kids and grandkids. That man was in whatever the high hot coach of the time is. I will say, yeah, but you didn't see Nick Saban coach these football games. You didn't see Nick Saban at his Cadillac dealership. I'm telling you, you guys. Um, no, but in all seriousness, I respect it, but I'm tired of it. And even though I'm tired of it, my Florida fandom does not allow me to say, oh, I would love to see Georgia win their first national championship since 1980. You want to know why? Because then I can't make those 1980 yeah. jokes anymore. Because then Georgia has won a national championship more recently than Florida. And that's a problem to me. So I personally want Alabama to win. Um, I think 
taking my Florida fandom out of it, objectively, this is going to be a very good football game. Evenly matched in terms of talent. I think it's going to be closer than what we saw in the SEC championship game. I think Georgia, as a defense, um, is talented enough to be able to rectify some of the mistakes that were made. Um, But I do think that Bryce Young needs to play, number one, better than he did against Cincinnati, and number two, closer to the level that he played against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, I'm going to pick Alabama not just because of my fandom, but because of a, a few rules. I know it's difficult to beat a team twice in one season, but at the same time, I don't... I don't, I don't know if that applies to Nick Saban, though. <laughs> I, that, I feel... I, that's my thing. That's my thing. Nick Saban is the exception to this. I don't feel comfortable picking against Nick Saban with more than a week of, to prepare in a national championship game um, going up against Kirby Smart, who, while... I tip my hat and I can say he's one of one of the, if not the best recruiters in the country and a, and a acquirer of talent in the country. I do not think he is the best in-game coach. I don't think that he's the best adjustments kind of person. And at the same time, Jimbo beat Nick Saban this season. You think two Nick Saban assistants are going to beat him in the same year? Do you really think I that's going to happen? That's kind of where my brain is at, where I, uh, until until it doesn't happen, until until I'm proved otherwise, I'm going to roll the yeah, dice with Nick Saban. I think it comes down to quarterback play um, against both of these defense. They're both really good because neither team's going to run the ball. Um, in their first matchup, Alabama, and they won by 17 points. They only had 115 rushing yards on 26 attempts. Georgia ran the ball 30 times and only had 109 yards. It comes down to Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young, and. And again, who do you who do you trust more between trust, Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young? Bryce Young. Ten out of ten times, even even I, with even at Bryce well. Young's worst, I feel like I still will take him over Stetson Bennett, and that's just how good of a player Bryce Young is. Um, I don't. I think right, right. That's not no. an indictment on Stetson Bennett. Again, I mentioned it earlier. I think if he was in a if he was in a group of five conference and putting up scheme type num, you know, schemed well, I would love him, but. I think just Bryce Young is so good. He's probably the best quarterback in the country. Um, arguably, definitely top three, arguably the best. It's it's hard to, right. to kind of go against If Stetson Bennett has a great game, like if he could not turn the ball over, Georgia's in this game, as long as their drives end in touchdowns. I think the one thing against Alabama that you cannot do is have your drive ends in field goals because you know Alabama's going to answer with a touchdown in like five plays anyway. So it literally needs... It needs to be touchdown, 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 touchdown. You have to get a stop. Like the defenses need to show up because if you can't keep up with scoring, you're not going to win this game. I'm glad you mentioned top quarterbacks. Perfect yeah. segue because we're going to talk about arguably one of the best quarterbacks in college football, Caleb Williams, the now Oklahoma transfer. Mm-hmm. Oh, did he trigger a, a wave of moves? So he did. let me give you a breakdown of what happened because honestly, I had never seen anything like this before. Story time with Uncle Borba. Borba. So basically, Caleb Williams, which I've never seen the school put out a statement. I'm not going to read the statement because it's long. But the school put out a statement basically before or like right at the same time he did about him transferring. And then he put out a statement saying that he is transferring, but Oklahoma will still be considered blah, blah, blah. I feel like people always say that and that's rarely like the case. But it's definitely not the case for at least in my head because after he transferred, a quarterback by the name of Dylan Gabriel, who was at UCF, and then transferred. I'm quite familiar yes, with one Dylan transferred Gabriel. to UCLA, yes, yes. 
allegedly, apparently. No, no, committed. Com- committed. committed. Yeah, UCLA. you're right. Because he committed. He didn't transfer, obviously. Committed. And he didn't sign that UCLA. paper. All of a sudden, Dylan Gabriel has an, an edit that he is an Oklahoma quarterback now. He has his commitment to Oklahoma and Jeff Levy, who was his offensive coordinator at UCF prior to taking the Ole Miss job. And so then this he probably didn't make as many waves UCF as, as well. in your world. But Casey Thompson, Texas's former quarterback, his dad and brother both played at Oklahoma and he's an Oklahoma native. As soon as Caleb hit the portal, he tweeted the eyes emoji like the like look to the side emoji. Yes. Oh, I didn't so know he this. tweeted that or put it on his Instagram story. Excuse me. Well, then Dylan Gabriel had already committed like he committed like an hour after that post. And so the eyes emoji went down. So I tweeted that the difference between Casey Thompson and being an Oklahoma Sooner was the fact that Dylan Gabriel's graphic designer had his edit ready faster than Casey Thompson's did. (laughs) Because this isn't about Texas, but Casey entered the portal his freshman year and enrolled at Oklahoma. And he almost committed to Oklahoma, or he was thinking about going to Oklahoma as a high school senior. So, like, this kid has always kind of had, like, the, I maybe I want to be a Sooner. And, like, this was as good as time as any to be a Sooner. But, unfortunately, whoever was making his edit wasn't fast enough. Listen, listen, man. You got to go by the ABCs. Always be crewing. And that has to do, that goes with players as well. If you wanted that position, Thompson... (laughs) You had to recruit yourself. You had to go to the organ, go to Brett Venables, go to Lebby and tell him that. No, but let's let's be real. Let's be honest. I think um, that's hilarious. I did not know that story. Yeah. That's oh, but- that's hysterical. I thought this was I thought this was going to end with uh, Casey Thompson being the quarterback no, at UCLA. I, mean, I, could, I don't know what's going to happen anymore because we don't know. Caleb yeah. Williams is yeah. big thing, which I don't know. I wish he didn't say this because now I'm just going to nitpick every place he like puts in his top five or wherever he goes if they don't do this particular thing his biggest focus was not nil which he mentioned in his letter it is nfl development and so there's been rumors that georgia Mm -hmm. is the one of the top schools and it's like okay what quarterback have they produced and what quarterback has no not what not quarterback has georgia produced because they have matt stafford what quarterback has kirby smart produced under his own merit because he lost justin fields well let's let's uh well, I was I was he, gonna he yeah. Jake Fromm. Well, he had a he had a quarterback room. He had a quarterback room that included Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, and Jacob Eason, and somehow, some way, picked the yeah, worst like so. of the three. Because because I could even forgive him for picking Jacob Eason over over Fields and Fromm because I was like, okay, cool, Eason. I remember I was I was a junior. I was a junior in college with the Eason recruitment. I may or may not have allegedly seen Eason at a nightclub in Gainesville when on his official visit. I may or may not have seen some things in that sense. Um, no, but in all seriousness, like I, I thought that that's, you know, I think Georgia is, I mean, the last place I want him to go is Georgia as a Florida fan. Um, because you put Caleb Williams with all the other tools, it's a wrap. Like the, the national championship jokes are over. They'll win it the next season. Um, but it's it's a thing where I'm I'm not with you in terms of criticizing his every like place, but yeah, it's it's interesting that he he's very much they're treating this very professionally, and I think this is this is going to be a case study in terms of how we deal with high level, and I mean the elite of the elite, which Caleb Williams is one of them. Um, how we deal with this newfound unofficial free agency in college football, because. Um, 
he entered the transfer portal not because he is for sure leaving, but because the only way that he can talk to schools about playing time, development, potential NIL deals, potential NIL deals, a third time for yeah, emphasis, potential NIL deals. It's not a fact. It is like, uh, no, 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 it's the, definitely a fact. the cute line that it's definitely not fact. important, but anyway, go on. I don't think it's I don't think it's everything. I don't think it's everything, but I do think it's an important right. factor. And I think that's why he entered the transfer portal because he can't have conversations like official conversations with programs unless he's in the transfer portal. Now, I say this is going to be an, a, a case study for only the top level players because there's over 3000 players in the transfer portal. When you enter the transfer portal, I don't know if this is known as much. I may have said this on the show already, but I'm going to repeat it because it's important. You give up your scholarship when you do that. Uh, your scholarship is not guaranteed for you at the institution where you have left right. from. Now, with Caleb Williams, Oklahoma is going to hold yeah, a scholarship school, for him. Other programs are going to give him a scholarship thing for to him, mention. Right? The school could give away your scholarship as soon as you enter the mm-hmm. portal. And I saw yeah. a, a stat the other day that only 30% of people in the portal have found a new home. So that means 70 like These yeah, kids are risking and, and, everything. And like for Caleb Williams, the Caleb Williams of the world, yeah. like, if you show up at every school, they're going to be like, yeah, of course we have a spot for you. But for the three stars and the two stars right. that are like, I just want to like move closer to home or I want to get a bigger opportunity. It might not be there for mm-hmm. them. And then they might lose their spot. <laughs> there, there is, there are stories of players who have gone to a school with a scholarship, had them enter the portal after a year, have not been able to find a new home. Then they go back to the school that they uh, transferred from and they, because that team has given away a scholarship, they have come back as a walk-on, meaning they now have to pay tuition as like a normal student like you and I would. So then they kind of play their way to earning a scholarship again. But it's it's this thing where you have this risk. So I'm interested to see what happens. I'm interested to see the process, how quickly it moves, because um, if Caleb Williams wants to play in spring games, he's got to be able to, he's got to enroll as a student for the spring semester. And there's a lot of schools that have started this week um, Florida has started this week. Um, I know that the, some of the, the California schools start a little bit later. There's rumors of USC, maybe with Riley. I don't think that's likely. There's rumors that UCLA and Caleb Williams have a mutual interest, which if you want to be developed as a quarterback, I don't know why you would go to Chip Kelly. Right. Uh, but like, there, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a whole bunch of other yeah, options. We're going to talk like, about per- the fits because I think as you're talking about it now, I mm-hmm. think UCLA is an interesting fit because you don't think of Chip Kelly as a good quarterback developer because he's not i mean he 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 found marcus mariota he's a good recruiter because he found mariota but Mm -hmm. i think caleb and he's a good offensive mind i I just think the game has kind of passed him in terms of at one point he was like the most innovative person and now everybody does his offense and times 100 um i think Mm -hmm. ucla is interesting for him um i see usc but i feel like there's like a sense of betrayal in like lincoln Riley. like all i think so a lot of people expected oklahoma guys to follow him to usc and like while commits have like recruits have nobody on the the roster that I'm mm-hmm. aware of yet has followed him to USC. And like, yeah, I think no. there's like a sense of betrayal um, before we dive into his perfect fits. I just want to point out that Spencer Rattler is probably really salty because if he would have just waited it out, he could have just stayed at Oklahoma. Not that he would want to like, the uh, there's, turned on I him. mean, I, I don't think the they kind of wanted, him, but like, yeah, just imagine yeah, if he waited like an extra month before making his decision, <laughs> he would have had Jeff. I also, I also want to say, I also want to say this before we go into fits. I think that this is fantastic for the like player agency movement because let's be a thousand percent clear here. Like, don't get it twisted. K- 
Caleb Williams would not be doing this if Lincoln Riley did not leave in the middle of the night and abandon right. the team. I understand that that's how it works, but if we're going to we, don't criticize this player for going out and exploring his options and do taking control of his career. Um, if you're not going to criticize the coaches for leaving um, and abandoning, I don't want to say abandoned because it is a job and, you know, it's, people know that it's a possibility, but leaving without announcing and, they and should, um, definitely breaking trust in that media. sense. He wouldn't, they w- we wouldn't be in this situation that we shouldn't find out social media, all that stuff. We wouldn't be in this situation if Lincoln Riley didn't leave yep. in the middle of the night. Um, same thing with any player at Notre Dame that wants to do this because Brian Kelly literally left his team with a potential playoff spot on the line, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, yeah, I just want to point that out before people are like, oh, kids are entitled and before anybody goes full Kirk Herbstreit yeah. on us oh, or whatever. Kirk. We'll talk so, about that. I have a, I have a skill. Oh, I want you to rate, yeah, rate we'll... his take on. Um, basically... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, with Danny Cannell, Danny Cannell and Kirk Herbstreit have both just been on they one really, this bowl I... season and... I oh, just, just it's they're just just the big headache. Like, stop it! Like, just like you, you know, like when yeah. you have like a dog and you're trying to train them, and you squirt them in the face with a bottle. Like, I just want to squirt mm-hmm. them like repeatedly with a like a bottle. Like, just please stop talking because like every time you open I your just, mouth, yeah, I have we'll opinions. Go, I have we'll opinions, go, but we'll I want to. We, we we'll gotta go, get I'm gonna to, give you yeah. four schools, and mm-hmm. I want to see what you think. UCLA, we've okay. kind of already talked about. I'll rank them. Okay, we got UCLA, um, LSU. Mm-hmm. Because he was LSU lock mm-hmm. before going to Oklahoma, which that was because of a particular person, which I'll go to the next school. This is assuming that Miami gets Joe Brady. So this is Miami with right. Joe Brady as an option. And then mm-hmm. the fourth option would be USC. Because I, as much as like we want to say there's betrayal and like whatever, I mean, he could just be like, you know what? I liked Lincoln Riley. He's the reason I came there because he was really. And so yeah, he, was. he likes Lincoln Riley. Go to USC. Jackson Dart is there, but... Caleb Williams has proven more than Jackson Dart um, has. Yeah, Jack, you mean future BYU quarterback I mean, Jackson could, Dart? Yeah, Quarter Canyon yeah. alum, like same school that produced Zach Wilson. Like, hey, why not? But so out of those yeah, four schools, knows? what would you give? Like, what would you rank them one through four? Okay, so I think I think if Joe Brady goes to Miami, it's yeah. Miami. It's I think I think if if Joe Brady goes to a college yeah, program, it's my it's Kathleen, it's wherever he goes, because like you said, Smith, Ole Miss. Continue. OK, so this is based off of the. Can I add a sixth, which I actually think I'll is the most likely up. I think he stays yeah. in Oklahoma. I like that's like a. I know, I know that Dylan Gabriel is now there, but if we, if we're being realistic here, um, Dylan Gabriel is there because of Jeff Levy. Number one, number two, um, they needed a court a transfer quarterback anyway when they lost Rattler. They need, they needed another quarterback anyway. I know that they have the number one quarterback in the neck. Or oh, I they have Nick Evans. Yeah, they had, or did they, he go to Cal? They have yeah, your, yeah. your former commit. They lost Malachi Nelson because he went. Right, right, right. That, they yeah. lost Malachi. That's why. That's who it was. Right, right. Okay, so Evers. I mean, I liked Evers when he's committed to Florida. I think. I think he's a bit of a. I don't want to say a diva, but I mean, I mean, what was Rattler? I mean, <laughs> if you saw QB one, like you knew what that was going to be. Um, but I mean, it's true. Like. Um, but like, no, I, I think there's a lot of personality in that quarterback room, and I think of of a three of Ever uh, of Evers, uh, DG, and Caleb. Caleb starts. Yeah. Like, sorry, I dude. Just, that's he's arguably I'm the best quarterback in the that. country. 
I think that's a possibility. I think that's a possibility. I think because of possibility, because I think Dylan Gabriel, kind okay. of, he doesn't scare Caleb Williams away, but I feel like it kind of shows that the program moved mm-hmm. on. And so again, that's like betrayal to me. So that's why. I, but, but I think, I think that ha- definitely had to be a conversation that was had. I think it was like, look, we're, we're still going to, we're going to bring someone in because, you know, we, we need to replace Rattler in terms of guys on the roster. Yeah. Like we, we probably shouldn't have only two quarterbacks um, and all that. So I think they're, that they were going to bring someone in anyway. I think the most likely option is wherever Joe Brady ends up will be the most likely option. Then second, I would put returning to Oklahoma. I think he he it's a strong possibility because he's such a big brand in Oklahoma. Like we we don't we don't we underestimate how big Oklahoma is we, in terms of impact fan base nil type stuff. They can pull around some weight. There are a lot of Oklahoma alums across the country. A lot of Oklahoma fans. I'm surprised at how many there are. I didn't think of it, but what, now that I have you know an Oklahoma alum and my brother, like. I kind of notice, like, oh wow, no, like this is a big brand in, in that sense. So it's not it's something you don't really pay attention to until it's in, in your face. So I think there's possibility there. I think after that, um, UCLA, LSU, and then LSU, and then, um, USC. I think LSU, then UCLA, then USC. I really don't think that he would go back to Lincoln Riley because of the betrayal. He really did feel. I don't think brand wise that would work for him um, if he was all like I'm Oklahoma. I mean, he put the he put the Malcolm Brown uh oh the, the Malcolm Brown freestyle yeah, with Sam the Bradford. The rap. Let me say sideways in my faux faux. Like yeah. that that whole thing he put a little a line from it. Oh you boy, oh you brothers, oh you boys, they my brothers for life or whatever it was. He put that quote in his statement. Like I I think he has an emotional part to it and I think if he was to go follow Lincoln, that would just yeah. that would just he would lose a bunch of friends. I, I don't think that's what it would be. So that's my five. Wherever Joe Brady goes, which we're speculating Miami, um, that would be fun for Sergio personally. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be fun. I might go to some UM games just to watch him. That would be cool for South Florida football. I mean, to get Mario down here, Prodigal Sons returned, and you get a Caleb Williams in there. Um, it would be great, and it would just be oh so much more special. When Miami falls flat oh, in their face eventually, <laughs> as a Gator fan, like it would just be great. It would just be fantastic. So yeah, my, Miami with the funny. with the caveat of Joe Brayer, yeah, it was got. Yeah, come on, dude. I mean, I, I'm nice to them, but like, let's be real. Um, wherever Joe Brady goes, returning to Oklahoma, LSU, and I think LSU third because it's just yeah, brand. and it's open. I mean, literally, it's brand. open. I like and LSU. I mean, they, LSU. They played a wide receiver at quarterback yesterday because mm-hmm. they don't have any quarterbacks. Like. He did. It'd be his job there. And there's talent there. There is yep. talent there. Um, I think that would be good for them. And then in, in terms of the LA schools, UCLA over USC, simply because of the, no the love for Ole Miss from you. I texted you about Ole Miss and you didn't love it either. I, I don't, I don't like it because I think if we're talking development, I love Lane Kiffin. Love the lane train. Really do have a t-shirt that says hop on the lane train. Um, don't think it would work in terms of NFL preparation. Everywhere else, I think, would be a better NFL preparation I, than I understand Elaine that. Kiffin. I, I can see that. This is where, like, his, he put up numbers. Yeah, this is where be his fun, like, NFL but, development statement, like, really resonates with me because it's like all these options that are being thrown mm-hmm. out here outside of Lincoln Riley. Like, Chip Kelly hasn't produced a lot of NFL quarterbacks. Ryan Kelly has produced NFL quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but they all suck, which I know none of them have been Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then who else, right. like, 
Listen, he just wants to yeah. go first overall. Whatever happens after that, who cares? But this is what we're thinking of. How do we get yeah, to first just, overall? Just, I think these other guys have put those guys in that so, position. I don't know. Um, I think if I had to rank them, I'd put UCLA at one. Um, I honestly think the Pac-12 mm-hmm. is like on the come up. And like I think Lincoln Rock. Lincoln Riley like really triggered that wave because nobody cared about the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. As, as an employee of the Pac-12 network, like the the conference, like football was not hyped. Like the games are always played at it's called Pac-12 after dark as a cool segment, but like they play the West Coast games at like ten o'clock Eastern. Like there's no respect. I, I think the the Pac-12 yeah. is about to get some primetime games a lot. Um, but I think the Pac. And I think for for those people screaming into their podcast players or their phones, their speakers saying, yeah, but Mario left for Miami. Mario would, that is literally the only yeah, school he's Mario from Miami. left he for. He played there. He didn't leave because it, like it, his, his family's down here. It's as someone who was born and raised down here, it's that, that pool is different. You can't blame him for, 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 for that. Like it's, that's not a, that's not an indictment on yeah. the PAC 12. That's just the fact that he's coming to Miami because Oregon is a better program than Miami yeah. right now. Full stop. But he came because it was mama called literally mama called. She's, she's down here. And yeah, so yeah, so th- I just want to clarify. UCLA is a top. Um, and then see, we talked about this and you, like, I agree that he's better than like 99% of the quarterbacks out there. But like, I still think he doesn't want to go somewhere where it's like, like going to be competitive in a way. Cause like he did get beat out by mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler, like that. That's just a fact. At the beginning of the season, he was beaten out by Spencer Rattler. Yeah. And so if a program like has mm-hmm. a quarterback that they're like set on, like I just don't know if like he's better than them probably, but like will he go there? I don't know. I think Georgia's my number two. Um, don't know right. if that's like a good fit mm-hmm. for him if he wants to make it to the NFL as a quarterback. He'll make it to the NFL, but it's like the development thing is really like it's like you can't say that and then go to a school that's produced or a coach that's produced no NFL quarterbacks. Like that's just weird to me. And and not just that, but the the offense is archaic. <laughs> I mean, they've re they've revamped it, but like even with this quote unquote revamped offense, like an air raid qualities of it or whatever, it's still not this like power. It's power. I don't know. I just don't with, see like, it. They'll throw I, it deep every yeah. once in a while, like. <laughs> and then yeah, a couple like, RPOs in that sense, like it, yeah. that's really what so, it is. It's I think it'll be interesting. Whatever. It's definitely gonna change the landscape of college football. Just like when Quinn Ewers committed to Texas, like things are gonna happen. People are gonna follow him wherever he goes because there's still a lot of time to transfer. To so like wherever Caleb Williams goes, people are gonna follow. Like there's a he has, I think, three, two or three former teammates that have kind of made it seem or rumors are that they go where he goes. And so like wherever Caleb Williams is going, some Oklahoma guys will go as well. And so it'll be interesting. We'll keep you posted on that. Um, Our last kind of subject of the day. This is my scale. Um, It's from, yeah, that's a good take to shut up boomer. And so I have two, two uh, (laughs) quotes that I would like you to address Um, up first that, well, it's a statement okay. that he tweeted. Danny Cannell, I believe it was, tweeted that there was too many bowl games. Mm-hmm. And so on a scale of that's a that's a good take to shut up Boomer, where where does he land? I'm I'm actually it's like a three borderline really? two. I I think we have I think we have too many bowl games, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy all of the bowl games that we have. And let me let me clarify this. I do believe that there are too many bowl games. There are over 80 teams participating in bowls. 
if a power five team goes straight up six and six, they're probably going to a bowl game. I think it's fun for the players. I think it's great. Um, but if we want to make the postseason more interesting, right? I think we have to, and this is going to tie into Kirk's, which we'll get to in a second, but I think that we need to make the bowl games a bit more attractive. And I think by having these bowl games, we have like four sponsored by defense co- defense companies, which first of all, vomit defense companies. Second of all, it, like it just shows how many, there were three bowl games this season that had Tax Act as a sponsor. Like there are three games with the same sponsor. It's just, are you it's just you too much. It's just the a Jimmy lot. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? You weren't jazzed for the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? <laughs> You know what? I can't say I was, man. I can't say I was. I can't. But that's the thing. So I'm going to go with the three where, listen, I, I, I agree with the with the initial thought outness. Like, yeah, I do think there are too many bowl games. But I'm not like, I don't hate it. You know what I mean? It's 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 not a bad problem to have. Yeah. You know? I I like having college well, football. Well, so when they expand the playoff, like the bowl sense. game number is going to drop anyway because they you can't just make up that many bowl games like to to – accommodate for the playoffs like it's going to be called the playoff but it's going to like you're going to have to work your way to the bowl essentially is what i um would Mm -hmm. think uh i just can't believe you're not excited about the the PUBG mobile bowl or like the duke's mayo bowl like they dumped men okay first of all first of all no no no. first of all the duke's mayo bowl and the cheese it bowl are royalty they they are included in the important bowls okay if we're cutting down bowl games we're not cutting down the mayo bowl or the cheese it bowl Okay, we're cutting down any of first the first games are cutting down or any defense contract bowls. Get out of here. No, we're not doing that. Then after that, we're cutting down the weird um the PUBG bowls, the the, the tailgater bowl, like that that kind of stuff. Like that's what we're cutting down on. I mean, I I personally I think my favorite random bowl was probably the the Cheese It or Duke's Mayo bowl just because they dumped mayonnaise on someone. Um, I don't know if you saw the video. They they almost well, those, like decapitated him because the, the girl on the they knocked the, Shane Beamer yeah, with the girl on the right dropped the bucket on his head. head. I felt bad. <laughs> like, I think it was too. Oh, they had yeah. too much. That was bad. And I think it was a little heavy, and so he got yeah. a little little helmet oh, check yeah. on the back there. But yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I love my bowl games. There are too many. Okay, but I'm okay with that. Fair so enough. I'm gonna go with okay. the three. Um, I'm gonna go with the three. The other statement. This is twofer. I don't think. I don't think this other person's taking a lot of heat because it wasn't his point to make. He kind of just jumped in, but Kirk Herbstreet mm-hmm. basically went on a rant saying that people are players that um, opt out of bowl games. They don't love. All- nope. Say the quote, okay, say the quote, say the, the quote. quote. Let me pull up the quote, pull up the quote because it's, it's just, it's, and I will say this. I listened to an entire like hour and 15 minute long podcast on split zone duo on their Patreon feed of Stephen Godfrey dissecting like he transcribed it all he gave you the context of all of it and I do think that there was a lot of like gut reactionary to what you're about to read yep. um okay, and it, there there's more there's more context to it but spoiler alert even though there's more context it's yeah, still pretty okay, bad. here's the whole quote and this is someone must have queued him up because it kind of starts off at a random sentence but he's queued up about He's queued up about college football players not being as dedicated or something. So it says, isn't what we do as football players, we compete. 
I don't know if changing it, expanding the playoff. Oh, he's talking about the playoff. Excuse me. And so I don't know if expanding the playoff mm. is going to change anything. I really don't. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. And then this is where I say that the person who agreed with him did not catch any flack, which is fine. It wasn't his point. But Desmond Howard agreed and kind of went off on a tangent himself, but he's kind of avoided all the heat, whatever. It is what it is. And then Kirk Herbstreit continues saying their whole mentality right now, the players there, um, is about the championship, the playoff. Well, that's what Howard said. And so we've got to get into the college football playoff. And because of that, they don't value the bowl games. When we were coming up, Herbstreit and myself to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant. And then Herbstreit basically continued on Twitter saying, just wanted to clarify some of my comments from earlier today. Of course, some players love the game the same as today as ever, but some don't. I'll always love the players of the, this game. And sorry if people thought I generalized, generalized or lumped them into one category. Like no shit. No because shit you did. That's literally category what you did. Of not loving football, <laughs> which I tweeted. And I just want to see Kirk Herbstreet host a seminar of every division one football player or every division one through division three. Sure. Uh, I want him to look them all collectively in the face and tell them that even though they're playing through pandemic and balancing what is been a crazy two years that they don't love football because they don't want to play in the Duke's Mayo or the PUBG mobile or like the tax slayer bowl, like tell them to their face. They don't love football because they want to put their career first because we all know there's Jalen Smith's of the world who snapped his leg in half and hasn't been the same player. Matt Corral got hurt because not because he played in the bowl game. Well, I mean, technically yes, but he did get hurt in the bowl game and like, he wanted to finish out that season, but like it's a personal choice. Like who cares if they want to play in a meaningless bowl game? Like people could say that the bowl games aren't meaningless, but to some people who have NFL aspirations, they are to some people whose last game of college football and their career is this bowl game. It's not, it's just different for everybody. And I think it's a very boomerish take. So on a scale of that's a good take, bro, to shut up boomer, where are you with Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard? Because he, he said some things too. So so with Desmond, I'm at a five of shut okay. up, Boomer. With with Kirk, I'm at an okay. eight, which I know is beyond the scale, but let me explain. Borba, one of the things that Kirk said, or I think Desmond said it, was that the all these players care about is yep. the playoff. Borba, what network has the exclusive rights to the I believe the, it's an acronym playoff? that goes ESPN. <laughs> yes, correct. And uh, and what show was this on? I believe was it was an ESPN-sponsored college game day show or whatever. Mm-hmm. College game day, which right. which airs on ESPN. Right, right. Yes, correct. And, and, and Borba, from the month of <laughs> July, what do we incessantly get ads for in the regards college to college football? football playoff. And ESPN. The college football, ESPN playoff. college football playoff. Oh my gosh. So you 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 mean to tell me that ESPN, who owns not just all of the mo- the majority of bowl games, but also owns the college football playoff and runs this, promotes incessantly about the playoff, doesn't promote out any anything else about the game about the rivalries, about the f- the fans, a tradition, the, the bowl games themselves. But everything they do is in the lens of the playoff. Starting in July, for so six, seven, eight months ahead of time, 
And then the personalities on ESPN have the audacity to go in and complain, well, why don't they care about anything other than the playoff? It's the banana. We're trying to find out who did this. How could anybody do such a thing? Like, (laughs) it was you. You're the ones that are doing this. Like, what kind of... What kind of witchcraft do you do in your mind, Kirk, where you can justify, like, I can't believe these players only care about the playoff while you work at a company and you promote everything through the lens of the playoff. I agree. There should be so many more other things that college football players care about. But you know what? When you decide to monetize to an extreme something that is built off of the backs of unpaid labor, like actual paid, then how can you criticize players for sitting out of bowl games when they have the potential to make millions and millions of dollars in the draft for a game that you all season long have told them doesn't matter? Like, I don't understand this. Like, this is some mental gymnastics and jujitsu that is honestly impressive. Like, I'm honestly impressed at how people like Kirk Herbstreet can manipulate this mentality when they've literally been the problem and have been the ones that are stoking the fires to this movement of people opting out. And it's not like every single player opt out, opts out. No, like you said, like it's a personal decision. And no one is even no one is even getting on the backs of people that are playing in the games, like a Matt Corral. No one's no one cares. No one's complaining about that because we get to see them a bit more because we love college football it's only people that complain about players opting out. Like that's what you said for every player that nothing happens. There's a Jalen Smith, you know, and, and that sucks. And that's horrible because it costs them a bunch of money. And that's why you don't play in games that you ESPN have told us are meaningless. Also, I think there's a whole other, this is conspiracy Sergio putting his hat on right now, but like, I mean, you mean to tell me that all the bowl games that are owned by ESPN and people on an ESPN show are out here complaining that they're not playing in the games that ESPN owns? Like, of course they're not going to like that because ESPN owns the bowl games. Like, it's literally what they're there for, inventory and, and money and such. Like, it, it's it just baffles me, the mentality. And then Kirk has the audacity to go on about how, you know, like when we played in this game, you know, the bowl games mattered. Yeah, well, going back to the Danny Cannell take, there was that's like where, forty. That's, that's where he that doesn't was get okay. any heat. Like he literally. Great. Old man, Great. Des, get in the firing line. I'm coming at old your head top too. Cloud. Like I'm coming. I'm coming at your head top too because young man is not yelling at Cloud, but young man is yelling at you because, like, you talk about how you, all of that. Going back to the Danny Cannell comment, there's over forty bowl games now. There were like 10, 12, 15 bowl games when they were playing college football. Of course, the bowl games meant more because there were fewer games in the year 2000. I think we got to like 20 something bowl games like we have drastically in increased the amount of bowl games that have been played because ESPN needs inventory for the holiday season when they need just random games on TV. These bowl games draw so many numbers. So, yeah, I'm 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 not surprised that the people who work for ESPN are complaining that the players who are not paid that when the labor doesn't want to cooperate that they are end up being, you know, they're mad because they're opting out of things that was created by ESPN in the first place. And then throughout the entire season, we're told weren't, didn't really matter because the only thing that apparently matters is the playoff. So if, and, and and a short solution to some, to, to sum it all up, if you want more games down the stretch to matter, because there's no way we go back from this, like you've opened Pandora's box. We can't like put it away. 
then you got to expand the playoff to make more games meaningful towards the end of yep. the season. Like it, it's then, it's one of the, the only play, things the that you can do. Have to so be like what what their bowl game would be like if you're in the playoff and you're the eighth seed right, and you right. lose, like you're done. That's your season. Like things were coming, but like right. yeah, I just. Right. And, it, and if you notice my last right, piece, I'm sorry, I know I'm very animated on this, but I, it just baffles me. But if you notice people, the people that are opting out of games, I mean, we're not talking about the PUBG mobile game. We're not talking about the the tailgater Boca Raton Bowl. We're talking about the high level the prospects right. that the are right. first or second round picks oh. that are right, that are going to be making millions of dollars coming up soon. Like that. Those are the guys that are opting out of bowl games, you know, and I don't blame them. I don't at all. A single at all get your get your bag get your money i do not blame you like, at all it is what it is so like, i just if you played yeah. college football or were in college when tuition was like a sack of potatoes and like a hard day's work like i don't want to hear anything from you about today's era mm-hmm. like this is like the, yeah the crop- I, don't, I don't yeah if you could if you could work at a, if you could work at a Publix or or whatever other grocery stores people have in the, in their their neck of the woods if you could work at a grocery store for a summer and pay for your fall tuition <laughs> that way i don't want to hear like like Sorry, the don't want to hear it. Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard, they, I don't know, if, I'm sure you watch it, but if you don't watch this at home, the NBA TNT crew with Shaq, mm-hmm. Kenny, and Charles, they sounded like them where yeah. they were like real like big haters on like anybody in this era of like, our era was better, our era worked harder, we cared more. It's like just because yeah. times are different does not mean we don't care like any less. Like, correct. Like, I think it's just so obscure to think that like these people do not care. It it's is. a lazy, it's really lazy, it's a lazy table. And so now rather than talking about bowl mm-hmm. games that apparently to them are supposed to matter, we're talking about bowl games mm-hmm. that we don't think matter. And like all these kids that they're protecting, like Kirk, tell me who won the PUBG mobile bowl and tell me your favorite player and like what, how great he did. Like, please. Also, they were, com- they were complaining. What will kick that off was all the, the crystal lave and, and them yes. uh, sitting out of the Rose bowl. The Rose Bowl was talk, fantastic. Don't talk about like, Jackson Smith and Jayla then, because you know what? He, he shouldn't have real, been there because like, Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson should have had some catches too. So don't talk about Jackson mm-hmm. Smith because you know what? A Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson cared. That wouldn't have happened. So just don't talk about it because it wouldn't have happened. So yep. yeah, great take, yep. great take, Kirk. Also, that's that's someone who's yeah. saying a lot from who someone who's profiting off NCAA for like up until 2014 because he was an announcer on the game. So like, well, my, my favorite part of that whole thing was when he complained about video games and it was like, Oh really Kirk? Cause if I fire up my NCAA 14 revamped right now, it's your voice it's on your the voice game. Criticizing me for going for on fourth down. Leave me alone, Kirk. I have a scrambling quarterback who is 99 alone, speed Kirk. overall. Of course I'm going to go for it. So, so yes. So um, Desmond gets a five and Kirk gets an eight on that. Perfect. Five scale. Um, because that, I think that's a scale that I'm going to continue um, as long as people actually, I'll add it. another one just because I just thought of it right now before we go. Brian Kelly talking about okay. his fake accent during the game last night. His family. Yeah. So, I, did you see that game? Did you watch the game? <laughs> he addressed did his not watch the He addressed horrific, his accent you know. and said he what said it was say? because what he's from say? Boston, and Boston Bostonians don't have strong accents. Stop the cap! Stop the cap! <laughs> Has he never stopped won- that? I drove into Boston every. I drove into Boston every single weekend for an entire year. Stop! Even if you've never been cap. to Boston, watch a Mark Wahlberg movie and tell me that man doesn't have an accent. <laughs> like, just look <laughs> me in the eyes and tell me that Mark Wahlberg doesn't have an accent. If you could tell me that, 
I'll, I'll sign you up for your clinical test because you're clinically insane to think that Bostonians don't have an accent. And that was so on yeah, a scale of, here, of good take, bro, to shut up, Boomer, where is he at? <laughs> Big time. Okay, so because I, he, cause he's kind of trying to do PR mitigation, like I don't blame him for coming out and saying something like that, but I, I will give him like a four. I'll give him like a four because I respect the hustle of – so I'm not going to go full, oh, shut up, Boomer, but I, I am going to – I am going to be like, ah, all right, my guy. Okay. Okay. That's like, all right. He basically <laughs> so looked me before. in the eyes and told me that Ed Orgeron doesn't have an accent. Like, I know he's not from Boston, but like, he's telling me, yeah, we'll, we'll you're going to tell me like, that just doesn't make sense. I, I saw that. I just don't get, I just don't get the logic because like, if you're out here, being, oh, I'm from Boston and there's not much of an accent. Like, okay. But that doesn't right. explain why you put on a fake if, Cajun if, accent. Like if it you don't have an accent because you're from Boston. We'll, we'll pretend that's a thing. Um, how do you have an accent then? And you're, you're opening like, t- like where did the accent come from? If you don't have an accent like that? Oh, Brian, it, it would have been better for him. If he just came out and said, I was just so moved by the hospitality in Louisiana that, you know, I, I just, it kind of slipped in and I'm sorry if I offended any of the great people, but I just love being here so much. That would have given me a, a one <laughs> on the scale. Because I'd be like, this man's yes. owning it. Boom. Well, just he didn't do come that. out with something. But don't tell me don't tell me that I don't have an accent because I'm from Boston. And then that doesn't explain why you put on a fake Cajun accent. Oh, Get Brian. out of here. That's a four. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're oh, back. Brian. We're going to be back and talking about the, the playoff. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. recap it. And um, we'll, we'll yeah, we might will. do a little like segment of we'll pick who, who wins, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But this has been your Tailgaters mm-hmm. podcast. Glad to be back. We are on the Believe Podcast Network. You catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. I am Kevin. He is Sergio. And we will see you guys when we see you. Roll Tide. Go Dawgs. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.